Amen. Man, just uh, so grateful for the word of God that it speaks into our lives, um, oh, that Jesus is relevant to what goes on in our everyday lives. So grateful that you came to church today. Uh, man, welcome to church on this beautiful Sunday morning. If you're a regular part of our church family, thanks for coming to be a part of it. Thanks for making uh, Sunday morning church, uh, Wednesday night church a part of your week and your routine. Uh, if you're brand new to our church or if you're a recent attender, we want you to know uh, you have a place here. We're excited you're here. We've prayed for you. We pray that God would bring the exact right people to this place. And we pray that God would speak to you. If I've never met you before, I'd love to meet you in the back in the lobby uh, before you head out today. Uh, we believe here, we say this all the time, if we love the family, we can change the world. I believe that's in the Bible. And if you feel like you have no place to belong, now you have a place with us. If you hear me say something like love the family and you're like, dude, what family? Well, you have one here. No matter where you came from, what you've done, uh, it's not because we're good. It's because Jesus is good. You know, all the Sunday mornings are awesome, but anytime you get to take communion, which you do on the first Sunday of the month, uh, man, it's always an awesome day. Uh, if you were here last week, which a bunch of you were, you remember we talked about missions, uh, specifically that we, as God's people, were all a part of the story of God's kingdom on earth. He's telling a great story. And when the page turns, you never know what will happen. Um, uh, if you go back and listen to the podcast, or if you were here, I read a little bit out of uh, the Chronicles of Narnia. Got to read some C.S. Lewis during church. That's always good. And uh, at the conclusion of service, we took two uh, steps related to missions. One of those, we took an offering for Light for the Lost, which is this uh, arm of Assemblies of God World Missions that focuses on printed materials, internet, uh, radio, video, that kind of thing. Um, and uh, we had, I made a commitment from our church a couple months back. I didn't tell you what it was, just... Wanted to let the Lord uh, give what he was going to give. And uh, I made a commitment from our church for $750. I'm super proud to say that uh, we just took an offering for that. And uh, you guys, our church, gave $826. So we're going to send that on to, uh, to Light for the Lost. It's going to be awesome. And I also want you to know, if you're here and you're like, oh, I went to church and the guy asked me for money, I wonder where that goes. Uh, well, I want you to know every penny of it goes to missions. Our church doesn't take anything off the top. That 826 that came in, Pastor Money writes a check, and we send it straight off to missions. Uh, the other missions-related step that we took was we filled out uh, these cards. I think I have one here. In case you missed it, I have one like this. We filled out these cards. Uh, missions, commitments, pledges for 2023. If you walk out that hallway out there, you see there's seven missionaries up on our wall that we support. And I let you know that my heart was that we would be able to add uh, five missionaries to that number in 2023. So the Lord brings them to our hearts, and we wanted to commit to a certain amount so then we could allocate it. I'm so proud to say, and this is awesome, that as of now, uh, we've committed $550 a month to missions. So we are well on our way. I was uh, so grateful that you were a part of it. If you think that sounds awesome and you missed it, you, there's some cards out there in the lobby. You can fill one of those things out. And I'm so grateful that you grasped what we are trying to do, and that is trying to be a part of turning the page, writing God's story all over the world. So, um, you know, you don't want to have you fill out the cards without telling you what the results were. So uh, you'll see some new plaques go up on that wall. We have a missionary coming in March. I think I mentioned this last week. And uh, their story, uh, man, you should probably bring, like, Kleenex or something that day, although I think there's some here because uh, it is powerful. Um, but thank you for being a part of it. Today's going to be our last week talking about the parables, actually. Uh, the next two weeks, we're going to be talking about love because, of course, it's that time of year. It's February. 
Uh, in fact, next week we're talking about how love is kind. Love is kind. And I hear that Pastor Murr has a skit lined up for us. And if you've never been here for one of Pastor Murr's skits, I'll just tell you, you want to be here. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to miss it next week. It's going to be great. Today, uh, in our, we're going to be in our last week on the parables. We are talking about the deposit. If you want to be ready, by the way, you can turn your Bibles, uh, Matthew chapter 25. So we're going to be today. Man, doesn't it feel good uh, when you make a deposit into your bank account? Doesn't it feel good? I mean, it's not quite the same today, you know, because we have a direct deposit and you don't even see the check sometimes. But you remember when you were young and you got your first paycheck and you could see the number and you went and you put that thing in the bank. You remember that? Oh, man, that felt good. It's just so simple, right, when you're, run, you're young, right? Right, you go and you work the hours. For me, I worked at a, a daycare thing in the summer, a, a day camp. I'd go and I'd work the hours, work my 30, 35, 40 hours, whatever. You get the check and you see the number. Uh, this was mid-90s, so I don't remember how much it was, probably not that much. But you get the check, and you go put that thing in the bank, and you just feel like, oh, man, I can do whatever I want. And for me, this is, tells you how much, you know, how uh, I didn't need too much. Uh, this was back in, uh, in Boise in the mid-90s, and uh, on Cloverdale, we lived at Cloverdale and Deer Flat, and uh, there was, like, nothing on that road. And, and the place I worked was Fairview and Cloverdale, the church there. And uh, they built a gas station there at Overland and Cloverdale, Chevron. It was a Chevron. Now it's a Jackson's. There, was, there wasn't Jackson's everywhere then. Uh, but it was a Chevron. And at Chevron, you could buy two Cokes for a dollar. Two 20-ounce Cokes for a dollar. <laughs> yeah, not even close anymore, right? But, man, it was the awesomest thing. I would deposit that check and be like, man, I could get two Cokes for a dollar every day for the rest of my life, I felt like. Of course, I could do it then, right, and not pay the price. I'd drink two Cokes in a day, the 20 ounces. And then maybe, right, when you're young, you could go to the movies. You could, like, go buy a guitar. I was a long ways away from playing an instrument then. But you could buy a guitar. Or you could buy a computer. Buy yourself a pair of shoes. I say that for the ladies, but that's actually the only pair, part of our clothing I really care about is shoes. You could buy yourself a dog. That's one of the, the more expensive things I did uh, when I got to be a young adult. Hopefully, though, you learned some good habits when you were young. Hopefully, you didn't go blow it all on two Cokes for a dollar. Uh, you learned how to save. Hopefully, your parents or someone in your life at your church taught you how to tithe, that uh, you uh, give the first 10% to the Lord and watch him bless it. But the older you get, right, the more it starts to be just a little bit more complicated. Because hopefully, by now, you've made enough that you don't spend every single penny. And I must confess, I don't have my hands in a lot of this in our life. If you don't know my wife's uh, a CPA, tax accountant, and uh, I know what's going on with our finances. We have a, a little, like, sit down every month where we look at all the numbers. But she handles all of it. She handles balancing the banking account. She handles the savings accounts, the IRAs, the retirement, uh, all of that stuff. She probably, honestly, could be, like, stealing all our money, and I really would never know. She could probably trick me if she wanted to, but I trust her. I can see anything I want at any time. But why would I go do that when I have a professional living in my house that could take care of it for me, right? She does a great job with it. But as you mature and you hopefully begin to save a little, you start looking for somewhere to deposit your money. And you want to find somewhere to deposit that has this little thing, right, called interest. There's all kinds of savings accounts, of course. But the idea is you put it in a savings account and a bank, like, invests it for you. And you get a percentage return on the money you gave them. Now, depending on the risk that you take, 
It could be a lot or it could be a little. It could be anywhere from like less than a percent. Some of these just basic savings accounts at banks, it's like 0.09% that you get, right? But it could be up to like 10% or more depending on how much risk you want to take with where you invest your money, whether it's a dollar or $10 or a million dollars. And a lot of times we think pretty hard about where to put our money because we worked really hard to earn it. You think hard about where to put your money because, man, you worked hard for that. You worked those 40 hours with the yelling kids like I did when I was 16. Man, I worked hard for that. It's valuable to us. This morning we're about to read one of Jesus' more well-known parables. If you've been in church uh, any part of your life, you might have heard something on this before. The parable of the talents. And once more, uh, we've said this every week. We've talked about the parables. We find Jesus. He's using a real-world example to explain how the kingdom of heaven has come to earth. The main idea this morning, what I believe God would have every single one of us know, he wants you personally to know this, is that because he has created us, God has created us, that we all have immeasurable value. You're so valuable that uh, it can't be measured. And God, because you're so valuable, he has made divine deposits into each and every one of us. You see, there's things that God has put inside of us to use in this life, on this earth. The question is, what do we do with them? So with all those thoughts in mind, let's prepare to read uh, Matthew 25, 14 through 30 this morning. I'm reading to you uh, out of the NIV, uh, starting in verse 14, says this. And it probably says either the parable of the talents, the parable of the bags of gold, something like that. Verse 14, again. He will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. Verse 16. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained the five bags, gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said. I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gathered where I have not scattered seed? Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So, I take, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. 
and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. A lot in there. We're going to go through this kind of section by section, pull some meaning out from each part. This morning, friends, I have three truths that I believe speak directly to our lives today as Christians and even not Christians in 2023. Three things we need to understand about the deposit that God has made into each one of us. First truth is we should understand this morning that everyone has a deposit. Everyone has a deposit. That means you. The very beginning of the parable, we see this similar expression used by Jesus that we saw last week. Uh, Last week with the mustard seed, right, Jesus said, the kingdom of God is like. And he went on to speak about how a mustard seed becomes a large tree. You'll have to go listen to the the, uh, podcast or YouTube video to hear the rest. And if you look in the section before we were were just saying in Matthew 25, verse 1, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven will be like. And when he gets to the part we're on, he's continuing the conversation. So when Jesus says, it will be like a man going on a journey, we can substitute it and say, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey. And this man who was going on the journey, he was somebody who had considerable wealth. And similar to 2023, right, when we put our money in savings, he didn't just want to carry the money with him. He didn't think it was a good idea to take all of his bags of gold, all the talents, all the money, and just put it in his pockets, saddle up his donkey with it. He wanted to deposit it somewhere where it was going to bring a return. And when the man decides to head out on his journey, he sets about looking for people he trusts to take care of his money while he's gone. It's really important we notice that. He looks for people he trusts. We see in verse 14, he called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. You see, the man made a deposit with people that he trusted. Verse 15 goes on to specify the amounts uh, that the master left with each servant. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to his ability. We talked uh, several weeks ago, we talked about the terms used here, the talent If you have the newest NIV like I am reading from, it says bags of gold. Interestingly, if you have New Living Translation, which I quote from sometimes, it said bags of silver. Most of the other translations, the older NIV, your New King James, they're going to say just talents. And the reason for the differing terms is because a talent was actually a measure of weight. It could have been gold, it could have been silver, it could have been copper, depending on which metal it was, that would kind of change how much it was worth. But no matter the type of metal represented, uh, any type of metal, all three of those amounts, five, three, or even one, uh, those were a bunch of money. Considerable amount of money, amounts of money that you would have wanted to take great care of. Not something you would have just like, you know, stuck in your sock drawer and hope it doesn't get lost. And I think it's important to see that the man in the parable that Jesus is talking about, he entrusted his riches, he gave his riches to people that he trusted. And here's the reason why it's important for us to know today, God has placed good gifts inside each of us because he believes in us. You might not feel like it when you walked in today, you might not have, but God believes in you. He wants the best for you, he's put good gifts inside of you because he believes in you. Think about if you have, uh, think about if you're in the man's shoes, the master's shoes, and you're going to go deposit a considerable amount of money, right? You don't just go pick, uh, in 2023, you don't just go pick a random building on the corner, 
right? Man, yeah, I got a million dollars. I need to deposit this. I want to put it somewhere safe. What you don't do is go look for the guy with the treasure chest and a padlock on the corner. Yeah, hey, buddy, I'll take your money. I have this treasure chest and the little padlock with the magic key. You're not looking for that guy, right? You're looking for the guy. You're not looking for the guy in the hoodie like I always wear to keep my head warm, right? The hoodie's a dead giveaway that it's bad news. You're looking for the place with the big, solid doors and the secure locks, hopefully multiple locks on the doors. You're looking for the place that says FDIC insured in big letters. You're looking for a name that you've heard of. Looking for somewhere that you trust. And just like the man who has gone on the trip and left his riches to his trusted servants. Listen to this. God has given his best gifts to you and I. And it's not just me coming up with it. Listen to this. James 1.17. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. Who does not change like the shifting shadows. Man, so the one who made you, the one who made all of this, who never changes, who's the father of heaven, he gives us every good and perfect gift. And if God's gifts are good and perfect, then why would he give them to people that he doesn't trust? The answer is that he wouldn't. He gives them to people he does trust, which is you and I, the sons and daughters, the one true king. I believe, it's, I believe it's proven even more true by what the master doesn't say in Jesus' parable. Because look at what he doesn't say. Because uh, the man in the parable, he doesn't tell them anything that he wants them to do with the money specifically. It shows he has trust in, right? He doesn't give the five bags to the first guy and say, okay, uh, trusted servant, I'm giving you these five bags of gold, these five talents, and I really want you to go do this specific thing. Go find Bob on the corner, invest it with him because he's got this idea with this field that's going to make a bunch of money. Doesn't say to the guy with two bags of gold, hey, uh, there's a field I want you to go buy with this that I think is going to give you a return. He doesn't say anything to the guy with the one bag of gold, hey, go start this business that I think is going to do really well. He says simply, here you are, trusted servant. Son or daughter that I made, that I love and that I believe in, here you are. Here is my deposit of good and perfect for you. And that leads us to the next truth this morning. It's simply this, that there is more. And this, I believe, really gets to the central truth of what Jesus is saying. And to go back to the illustration of the bank. When we make a deposit into a bank with an investor or something, we do that for a reason. We do that because we believe the bank can do more with the money than we can. Right? If the bank couldn't do more with the money than we could, then you could just put it in a lockbox and put it under your bed. Hopefully nobody figures out where it is and tries to come rob your house. But we put it in the bank because we believe the bank can do more with it than we can. You go see an investor, someone who knows stocks, because you believe they can do more with your money than, than you can. Look with me again uh, at verses 16 through 18. See, the man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. 
So he's made his, this deposit with his three servants. And he goes on his way. For how long, we don't really know. It's not really important to the story. But we do know these three men, they have free reign from the master to do whatever they like with the money. He gives it to them because he trusts them. We see in the scripture, right, the first two men were successful. The one with five bags turned it into five more. Who knows what he did? Maybe he invented the uh, ancient times version of the Apple Watch. Came back with five more. The one with two bags turned into two more. Maybe that guy figured out how to make a Jackson's on every corner, sell two Cokes for a dollar. I don't know. Got all the teenagers. Once again, there's value in what the parable doesn't say. Nowhere does it say what the two servants actually did with the money the master had entrusted them with. Simply, they each went out with it, and they came back with double the amount. And when we put this in this context of the good and perfect gifts that uh, the book of James says that God has given us, there's a couple of things just in these two verses that I think can be meaningful to us today. Um, and I encourage you, man, take a picture of these, write them down, whatever. One of those is that God makes the deposit. It is up to us to multiply it. God has deposited good and perfect gifts in every single one of you. And it's up to us to, de- to, to multiply it. You see, there is not a person who has ever lived in the history of the world that God has not placed good and perfect gifts inside of. Because remember, in Genesis it says, mankind are the only creatures made in his image. We've got free will to do with those gifts whatever we please. Now, hopefully, we'll use those gifts to make his name known. Man, there are some incredibly talented people that serve the Lord, make his name known. There are some incredibly talented people uh, who don't use their their gifts for the name of Jesus. But the point is, God made us to be workers, not drones. If he wanted you to be a drone, he would have given you the gift and then told you what you had to do with it. But he made us to be workers. Which means that whatever gift God has so graciously given you, it could be a gift of engineering, it could be a gift of leadership, gift of sports, or math, or music, God's purpose in instilling those gifts is simply that we will go and use them. It doesn't say what we have to do. It just says uh, to put what he has deposited in us to good use. And as we use and sharpen those gifts, they're going to be multiplied day by day, just like the men with the five bags and two bags of gold. Second, our focus should be on using what God has given us. And not on wishing we could have what someone else has. Now, this is, I've read this parable, I mean, dozens of times in my life. And this is something that struck me this week. I find it really interesting that the second servant who had been given two talents instead of five. Yeah, if it was me, I might have given into human nature. And he didn't give into human nature and say, why didn't I get the most money? Man, why did he get Five. Haven't I been just as faithful as him? Man, the master must not have seen him the other day. Like, I know some things about him. I could let him know. That's human nature, right? But the second servant, uh, instead of using what he'd been given, he could have easily spent all of his time frustrated that he didn't get as much as the other guy. But instead, he he went out and he made the most of what he had been given. And friends, I believe that God's sincere hope for us is that we'll embrace what we've been given rather than wish we had someone else's gifts. 
Because those specific gifts that God has given us, engineering or music or math or sports or reading, those specific gifts God has given us, they enable us, they enable us to accomplish the purposes that God has for us. And I should have put this on the screen, but I didn't. But every moment we spend wishing to be someone else is one that we are not doing what God made us to do. God made you for a purpose, and he put the gifts in you to accomplish it. So let's not waste one moment wishing we had uh, the gifts someone else had. Man, I wish I was as smart as so-and-so. I can't tell you for how uh, many days I wished that I was three inches taller. Once I realized 5'7", just barely, was as tall as I was going to get, I wanted to be 5'10". Because if I was 5'10", I could have dunked. That was, the thing. that was the thing I really wanted. At least I think so. But every moment we spend wishing to be someone else is one that we aren't doing what God made us to do. Look with me again, uh, verses 19 through 23. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with the two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. You see, friends, the thing we must not miss is that the way to fulfillment in the kingdom of heaven is putting to use those good gifts, the Father, those good and perfect gifts. I actually really love how the NLT, New Living Translation, uh, translates what the master says to the servants in verse 21 and verse 23, it's exactly the same in both verses. I think it's on the screen. It says this, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount. So now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. See, I believe that we often, we spend our time demanding that we be given more. I deserve more responsibility. I deserve a promotion. But God's hope for us is just that we'll use what he's already deposited into us. And we can trust that God is good. And when we use the gifts and abilities he's given us, it's going to move God's heart to joy. When we go use those gifts, if he so chooses, he's going to give us more responsibility at the time and place of his choosing. And he's going to multiply those gifts. The more you use them, the sharper they'll get. Uh, we can simply put all of our energy into exhausting what he's given us. My son, John, he's been in and out of here about five times today already. Um, and I know where he gets that. Uh, he's, uh, he loves sports. He gets that from his dad. And uh, he was asking me the other day, he's like, Dad, how tall do you have to be to be in the NBA? It's like, pretty tall, but <laughs> pretty tall. He's like, I don't think I'm going to be tall enough. I was like, well, I mean... You know, granddad was over six foot, but he sees me. I'm 5'7". My dad's 5'7". You know, there's only been a few guys under 5'10 that have been in the NBA. Um, and they're fun to watch for sure. So he's asking me, I, Dad, I don't know. Like, because right now basketball's on TV, so he wants to play basketball all the time. He's like, Dad, I don't know if I will be able to, like, you know, I want to play basketball in college or go to the NBA. And I just told him. 
hey, you know what, bud? God has given you the gifts he's given you, and you go squeeze every bit of talent out of your body that you have, and you trust God for the rest. That was like a month ago when I said that to him before I was writing this. But, man, that speaks so much to where we are, right? Because we see on TV or we see on, especially on social media, right, everyone's perfect version of their life, the things they say they're doing and the things we wish we could do. And all God asks of us is to squeeze every bit out of us that he's given us and trust him for the rest. You see, what we must know about the deposit we have from God is that there is more. There's more to discover in our gifting, and there's more kingdom work to be done. You put those two things together, good things happen. Finally, what we must know about the deposit is this. The only thing we can't do is nothing. Look once more with me, uh, verse 24 through 30. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has 10 bags for whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Of course, this calls back to verse 18 that we kind of skipped over a minute ago. Uh, verse 18 said, but the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. And what we really need to understand about the third servant's actions here is that it didn't just show a desire to be cautious, but it also showed a spirit of fear. Now, when I was younger, I read this, and I thought, man, actually, burying it in the ground does not sound very safe. You ever tried to bury something in the ground? It's actually kind of tough. The burying something for safekeeping was pretty common in ancient times. One of the more foolproof ways to keep something safe. Because if you dug and filled, dug the whole well and you filled in the whole well, no one would be able to tell there had been anything there. And there was no banks that were FDIC insured, right? So you dig the hole, you fill it in just right, and you never have to worry about it. But faced with the master who is wondering why nothing has been done with the talent that he graciously entrusted the servant with, the good and perfect gift, the servant comes up with this flimsy excuse, and it's wrapped in a baseless accusation. And within his answer, I believe it reveals the real reason for his lack of action. Verse 24 and 25, master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. You see, the servant realizes, boy, uh, I probably should have done something with this. And he blames the master who had made the deposit. He makes this accusation that the master is someone who drives a hard bargain. And I've never understood why this was in there until I really studied it. There's no evidence, actually, that the, the man who gave the talents was that kind of a man at all. Just something the third guy comes up with because he knows he made a mistake. There's no evidence of that at all in the way that Jesus phrases the parable. And the master's answer even confirms it. Verse 26, 27. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Translation, listen, third servant. If you actually thought that, 
You would have at least put it in the bank and collected a tiny amount of interest, and I don't buy it. That's not the reason at all. See, the actions the servant took, they didn't match up with his statement at all that the master was a tough businessman. In fact, the action the servant took, it simply showed fear that he would fail. The actions the third servant took, they showed fear of losing what the master had deposited with him. But it really seems like the master was more upset at the inaction than anything else. You see, what the servant didn't realize is that anyone who is entrusted with a talent, they must use it. After all, it benefits nobody by sitting in a hole in the ground. And by burying the talent, the servant, he showed fear instead of faith. As we've been saying all morning, God has entrusted us as his sons and daughters with his good and perfect gifts. And many times he's entrusted us with those good and perfect gifts, but we are paralyzed by inaction because we choose as humans on this earth to embrace fear over faith. Fear that we'll fail instead of faith in what God has put inside of us. But I can't find anywhere in the word of God where it says he'll be angry if we go put those gifts to good use and occasionally face failure in the meantime. You see what the internet will tell you, what social media will tell you is that, oh, you go out and you try a new thing and it's always successful the first time. But of course we're going to face failure in our lives. Jesus said it, right in this life you will have trouble. But maybe you take the gifts, the good and perfect gifts God has given you, and you go out. Maybe you lean into the wrong gift at the wrong time in your life. Maybe there is something else God gave you that's better than what you're trying. Maybe the timing isn't right. Maybe you're like, hey, man, I hear you talking, and I've tried. I have this gift, and it just didn't work. Maybe the gift wasn't developed enough for what you tried to bite off. Maybe you weren't ready for that interview or that performance or that test. But as a result of what you learned, the next time you will be. You see, God has trusted us, his sons and his daughters. Because he's trusted us, we don't have to fear failing. In fact, what God's word says is this, Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. As working for the Lord, not for human masters. You see, the only thing we have to fear is punishment if we do nothing. <laughs> Look at those last couple of verses, right? Take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Wow, that's pretty strong language. That third servant, he's called worthless. And you would think that language would be reserved for someone who had done something really terrible. But there's not some type of terrible crime that happens in this description, right? There's no mention of, well, he, he didn't use the one talent he was given, and also he went and, and killed his neighbor. Went and committed adultery with his neighbor's wife. There's no mention of breaking a commandment or a law. The only mention is that quite simply, he did nothing. And you see, friends, because God has deposited his gifts into us. The only thing we can't do is nothing. As we get ready to close this morning, I just want to encourage you today, hopefully as I was talking about gifts that God has deposited inside of you, reflecting on what God has made you to do 
And I'll tell you what, man, it, it changes over time. The things you think you were made to do when you're 20 are different than when you're 30 and 40. And I can't speak much beyond that because I'm only 43. But I just want to encourage you today. God has placed good and perfect gifts inside of you. No matter your age, no matter where you've been, I want to encourage you. And God will have you know, don't ever have any doubt about it. He's deposited his good and perfect gifts in you. And you don't need to doubt it. But there's more inside of you that you haven't discovered yet. There is more you've, you haven't discovered yet. But you won't know until you start using the gift. Man, and speaking from experience, there is nothing as fulfilling as walking in the gifts God has given you. And this is just the law of the universe, right? You have a talent to do anything. A sport or an instrument or a skill. Man, you will not know how good you can be until you go put the time in and find out. And when you put the time in and find out, you never know how God might multiply it. You never know where he might put you. You never know who he might put you in front of. And remember, because God has given you these amazing gifts, all he asks is that you use them. Could be in your workplace, right? God could have given you these incredible gifts, and you might be in the perfect job, but he could be just telling you today, hey, go use those gifts. Trust me to multiply it could be in your family. Man, maybe you have a unique family. Maybe it's hard sometimes, but God has given you the good and perfect gifts to lead that family. You go do that and trust God to multiply it. Or maybe it's in the church. Maybe God has given you a gift you can use here. You love kids or you love tech or you love music or whatever. Love shaking people's hands and smiling at the front door. God has given you a good and a perfect gift, and he is encouraging you. Go use it. You go use it, and you just let me show you what can happen in the meantime. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I just want to say one more thing this morning. We're almost done. Uh, if you're here today, and you've been searching for a purpose, maybe today you uh, are successful by the world standards. You got money in your bank account, got a nice house, nice car, whatever the world standard is. Maybe you're successful by the world standards, uh, but you feel empty. I want you to know that God who gave you every talent and ability, he's here with us today. And he offers you a new life. Not only does he offer you a new life, but he offers you a purpose. Because when you use those gifts he gave you, and you accept his gift of salvation, then you have purpose. So if you're here this morning... Uh, every head bowed, every eye closed, and um, just want to give you a chance. Uh, you know, we've been talking about Jesus all morning, and you need to know the Bible says that he came to earth, he lived a life with no sin, he died for three days, and he rose again, and he ascended to heaven, he defeated death in the grave in the meantime, and the Bible says that when we acknowledge our faith in him, that we get to go to heaven, that we become sons and daughters of God. So if that's you this morning, if you're here and you need to become a Christian, you're like, man, I, I do have these good gifts, but I have no purpose because I don't have Jesus in my heart. If that's you this morning, would you just raise your hand so I can pray with you and pray over you. Raise your hand if that's you, if you need to accept Christ today. Good, good. Didn't see any hands, but I just want to assure you, if you're here this morning and uh, for whatever reason you didn't raise your hand, uh, you can pray to God on the way home. Uh, and he will redeem your life. 
What I am going to do, though, is I'm just going to pray over every single one of you. Not even going to ask you uh, to raise your hands because uh, I'm certain that at least a little part of this spoke to each of you this week. Uh, I know that because it spoke to me. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your people. Thank you for every single person gathered in this place. Even the ones that are not here, uh, hearing this on the internet. The kids who are going to hear a version of it from their parents later. Lord Jesus, I pray for every single person here that you uh, would help them to have faith in you. That what you put inside of them is good and perfect. Even if it's been hard lately, Lord Jesus, that you are, because you are good, you've put your good and perfect gifts in us. Lord, I pray for those that have been afraid to take a step of faith. Because they're afraid to fail. They're afraid of what the world will say. Lord, I just pray that you would give them your faith and your courage to move forward today. I pray there would not be a single person in this place that has a gift uh, that buries it in the ground. And Lord Jesus, I pray that as your people take steps towards you, whether it's in their work or in their family or in this church, somewhere in between, that as they do that, Lord Jesus, you would multiply the gifts inside of their life. You let them know beyond the shadow of a doubt when they're on the right track. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that every good and perfect gift comes from you. I pray they would be evident and they'd be multiplied in your people today. And Jesus, would you go with us this morning with your grace and your mercy. Pray these things in your name, Lord. Amen. 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 Friends, thank you so much for coming to church today. Parable of the Tower.